Welcome to our podcast. I'm Shanna. And I'm Angelo. Today we are going to talk about two topics that I think Angelo and I feel very differently about. One is if we identify with being a millennial. And the other is our experiences visiting Cuba. We hope you enjoy. So, you know, Angelo, what year were you born in, Angelo? 89. And I was born in 94. So technically, we are millennials. We're like smack dab in the middle of being a millennial. Like We are millennials. Yeah, yeah, totally. So the question lies, do we identify with being a millennial? And what does that bring? What type of connotation does that have? Yeah, I definitely strongly identify with being a millennial. When I hear stereotypes of our generation, I'm like, fuck yeah, that's me. I do those things. I feel completely opposite of that, (laughs) (laughs) which is I don't want to be associated with any negative stereotypes, I think. And I think that's why it's such a turnoff for me to be consider myself a millennial. And I think what I resonate with the most um, is... I would never want anyone to think that I am hoping to get my success served to me on a silver platter. Okay. But also, um, uh, they say that millennials are less interested in financial success and more interested in finding fulfilling jobs, and I could relate to that, you know? That's true. I, I also think that um, the f- the idea of the typical full-time job, so not for me, so don't want to do it, doing it right now, don't want to be doing it right now. I would rather freelance. That's very millennial of you, I think. Because it just, it eats up your time and you realize by the end of the week you've spent more of your time, you know, doing something in the workplace than, and, but, but I guess if you loved, loved, loved what you did and you did it full-time, it would be a different story. Yeah, but which is more what our generation is doing they're going to college with wacky crazy majors that might not make them money as opposed to everyone going into banking and you know like whatever job gets them money and like oh our generation wants to be like or narcissistic and wants to be rich but i think a lot of our generation if they all were starving actors but were just acting like they would be content like money doesn't seem to be a big aspect to our generation here's the thing about that is that's because their parents are funding this whole thing you have a point so i think it's really easy to be a starving actress when mommy and daddy are sending you or depositing your rent money into your account yeah okay you definitely have a point there that is true um but i don't know i millennials are cool i like the activism aspect of being millennials you know social change and things like that i think it's uh it's almost like an improved version of what the hippies were doing in the 60s it's definitely improved in a way that social media does help us out so much because instead of having to riot we can sort of just use our voice on social media yeah. Which gives us a really easy way. But then you, we get made fun of for that. Like, uh, what's your Facebook post going to do to change things? I don't know. It did. It did over. Th- it did help a lot of revolutions and things like that. I mean, Donald Trump essentially notifies the public using Twitter. I read an article that someone in a Middle Eastern country, I'm going to look it up now, named their child Twitter because they said Twitter was so important with getting their freedom. Wow. That's actually pretty nuts. Um, I'm trying to I find think, that. I think a really good example, just from the episodes that I've seen of girls, those people are mi- millennials. They're definitely millennials. I mean, a couple of them are working for their money, but a couple of them are grubbing off of mom and dad, and they're just trying to, you know, they don't want to sacrifice their lifestyle. Okay, I'm sorry. It was Facebook. 
Uh, an Egyptian father had decided to name his new daughter Facebook to mark his country's recent revolution. And he credits Facebook as being part of the reason that they revolted. But that was in 2011. I think Egypt's kind of a mess since then. So. <laughs> Egypt has had a lot of changes since 2011. But still, things like that, you know, give me pride. I like social media. I think we do enact change from using it. And I hate girls. I don't like that show. You don't like that show? I Tell don't me why you don't like that show. I don't know. I find it annoying. Lena Dunham is so pretentious. I don't know. I watch interviews with her, and she just gets on my nerves. I'm not a... I think that what really freaked me out about watching it at first was that it's such an accurate representation of what a lot of girls are saying, you know, in when the door is closed. Yeah. And I think that it's cringeworthy. <laughs> and I think that I would be like, oh, my God, you, you remind me of Rebecca. Like, you, <laughs> you're pathetic. You have no confidence. And all you want to do is talk about boys. So is it just Sex in the City but skewed younger? No, 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 no. Listen, but skewed these, younger. Okay, no. No, not at all. Sex in the City is an iconic show, extremely well written, extremely well produced. The brain behind that operation is uh, no. Okay. These are these are apples and oranges. These okay. are no way. So, um, but you know, you and I were talking about technology the other day, and I was saying that sometimes I don't identify as a millennial because I secretly on the DL can't use my cell phone <laughs> and my iPad or, you know, my my um, freaking Amazon Fire Stick the way that my other friends can use it. And it makes me just feel like I'm not in the group. Okay. Well, I definitely am. But I feel like that's a stereotype. I feel like most of my millennial friends don't know technology either. Like, I... Uh, you know, built a computer, but I just watched a basic YouTube video. Like it was not complicated to do, but then other people like are like lost with anything. And I'm like, I don't feel like I'm super duper like tech savvy, but I feel like I, most of my millennial friends don't know shit about anything. They come to me like, how do you turn off my iPhone? And I got to like hold the button down for them. You know what it is? As, it, as is with most things in life, it comes down to interest. Yeah. If you're interested in it, you know, if, you, if you're interested in it, you're going to look up a YouTube video on it. If you secretly want someone else to do it for you and you won't fess up to it yourself, you'll just do what I do and pay people to do yeah, things yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm paying somebody to build a website for me. I probably could do it myself. Oh. I probably know how to do it myself. But she's a designer. She knows web. She knows what to do. I'd rather, I mean, the, the opportunity cost for me, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. De definitely. I mean, it, I could do a lot of things. But if it's going to take me, you know, triple the amount of time, I could just pay someone. Just pay someone. Yeah, some things in life are worth paying for, yeah, I think. Yeah, always. Like coffee. Always worth oh, paying for coffee. coffee. Okay, I never pay for coffee. Really? Mm -hmm. you, you brew your coffee at home? I don't drink coffee, but when I do drink coffee, I, I have it brewed at home. And okay. I say have it brewed because my mother brews it. <laughs> <laughs> I drink coffee every day, and every day I will be stopping at Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks, and I will be getting a coffee. No way. Yeah. How yeah. much do you think that eats out of your pocket? It's like four bucks a day, at least. You're spending $25 a week just on coffee. I, but I need it. <laughs> I don't know. I also don't drink hot coffee at all. I exclusively drink cold coffee. If it's February and negative two degrees, I will have iced coffee freezing off my hand. When I drink coffee, it's usually a cappuccino because I like the froth on the top. Okay. And um, last week at work, I drank one, and I was having a total panic attack after. It just, <laughs> the caffeine messes with me in a way that doesn't mess with most people. Yeah. I mean, it's a drug to me. That's crazy. 
It's a drug to me. It makes me want to... I, I sometimes run around. If you drink coffee past a certain time, are you, like, up all night afterwards then? Well, you know I'm up all night, night anyway. anyway. Well, or prior to... I work overnight. Prior to being an overnight person. Yes. Can, I can't drink a cup of coffee and then try to go to sleep after. <laughs> I could drink a Coke. Yeah, so can I. Okay, how about this for millennials? Nobody drinks a damn Coke anymore. Yeah, true that. Nobody freaking orders. When I order a Coke at the table with my skinny bitch friends, <laughs> they're looking at me like, what? <laughs> what generation are you from ordering a fucking Coke with your burger? I also feel like millennial, at least guys, take beer way too seriously. Like when I'm with my guy friends and they're like, oh, what, what do you have on tap? What IPAs do you have? I'm like, what do these words mean? Oh, no, I'm, I take this very seriously. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like the other day my friend Francesca said, uh, let, well, let's just get the bud, the picture of Bud Light. It's two dollars cheaper. And I was like, no, absolutely not. I've graduated from college. So what do you drink? I like Stella. I like Modelo. I will drink a Corona, but I prefer Modelo. Okay, but those are still like regular beers. Like I feel like now there's this whole like micro mini That's local true. brewery scene thing That's going true. on. My Royal buddy Palms James probably has. Yeah. Oh, definitely. My buddy James, he's crazy. I, I don't. He was like IPAs, and they have to be on tap. He doesn't want them in the bottle, and. Uh, you know, he'll go to like Oma Gang Brewery and see what limited edition brews they have and things like that. Okay, uh, that's a little that's too much for me. me. That's a little, you know, be a man and drink what they put in front yeah, of you. Yeah, If I feel fancy in the summertime, I'll buy the new mm. Game of Thrones beer for the summer. <laughs> but that's really more about the branding than anything to do with the taste. I summer pale ale. I think if the Game of Thrones beer for the summer sucked, I'd still buy it because I just like Game of Thrones. Um, I don't really watch Game of Thrones, which is another thing. I mean, I think this is an every generation thing, but when you're the only one that hasn't seen a show, first of all, the work that it takes me just to pull up a show because I'm so <laughs> technologically unsavvy, I mean, I can do it, but I'm not up to speed on a lot of shows. Like, I don't watch The Walking Dead. I don't watch... I hate that show. Yeah, and I don't like zombies either. Yeah, I, I, I like zombies. I, I actually read The Walking Dead as a comic book, and I don't like the show because it's the, the, the original version is superior in every way, so I don't like it. Do you think that's an every generation thing, that if you're the only one that hasn't seen something? I've, I've never watched not even one episode of Friends. What? That is actually... See, now I'm shocked. Now I'm shocked. So here's another reason why I don't really feel like I'm a millennial. I've seen every episode of Friends. But I feel like a lot of our age group scene friends but that does skew a little older that's more gen x what about spongebob um is only... spongebob millennial yeah everybody loves spongebob but not me I, i've only watched what i would have to watch with my sister she's two years younger she loves spongebob sweet spot for spongebob yeah she lo she speaks spongebob yeah. you know there's a thing called speaking spongebob <laughs> is that a thing no oh, okay. i made me and my friends and i made it up it's where you can pretty much make a reference in response like in reference to spongebob right. at any part of your conversation okay I don't get, this is a millennial thing, I don't get, memes. Where do they come from? Who creates them? And how do they become so popular? Uh, like, but I get when, like, a current event thing happens and it turns into a meme, but some of them, like, uh, cracking open a cold one with the boys? Like, why? <laughs> why did this month that turn into a meme? I mean, that's, like, a, a stereotype of dudes for, like, years. You know, a good person to ask this question to would be my twin sisters, who are 14. Yes. Who are such millennials, I cannot even describe it. Yeah, they live, eat, and breathe millennialness. They 
their phones are attached to their hands, except for when I need something from them. <laughs> of course. <laughs> when I call them, for, they, they, you know, they turn their phone off sometimes, which is unusual for a millennial. But that's just because they know that I'm calling. <laughs> <laughs> but they really like cracking up, cracking open a cold one. My 14 year old sister uses that line. <laughs> I, but I don't get them. Or um, I don't know. Or sometimes I've never even seen the original meme. I'm seeing like the plays on that meme. Right? And then you're yeah. waiting to see the original yeah, yeah. meme. So I went on a tour and we had to do an icebreaker. And this one kid on the tour goes, you had to say something unique about yourself. And he said, I'm that guy from the meme of the kid um, who just graduated from college or whatever. And he pulls it up, and sure enough, here's here's a picture of him in a meme that's <laughs> that swept the internet, and he was proud of it. <laughs> that's that's crazy. But then then memes like, do you know the Pepe the Frog meme? Yes, yes, I do. Okay, somehow that's become racist now. Like, it's, is it? Oh yeah, it's a symbol of white supremacy. It the, gives me like a creepy vibe to begin with. The creator is trying to do a Kickstarter to save Pepe. How, how, what? You know, what? how about, let he, me just move away from this for one second. Peppy Le Pew, okay. You know the Pepe, skunk? The skunk. That guy's, that guy's a rapist. Yeah, that guy's definitely. <laughs> that guy's a, a freaking rapist. rapist. <laughs> <laughs> that was totally socially acceptable to be a cartoon. Like, years later, in retrospect, I'm like, I'm like, ah, Peppy Le that guy's a rapist. <laughs> <laughs> Were you suddenly traumatized that you spent years? I was years? suddenly, like, you know... I would joke all the time, and I would kiss up my friend's arms and shit and pretend <laughs> I was him. And I'm like, wait a second. The whole show is about her squirming out of his tight grip. <laughs> yeah, that's awful. There's a lot of cartoons with messed up overtones. I think that's a millennial thing. Like We're, we're like, now you can't make a cartoon like that anymore. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I'm not... I don't have my finger on the pulse of new cartoons, but yeah, I, don't, I guess not. No, I don't think... I think people would make a big deal about it. Yeah. But um, this Pepe... Okay, but how? what is sa raising $10,000 going to do to save it? I don't understand. Pepe the Frog we're talking yes, about Yes, yes, Pepe the Frog. So Pepe the Frog, they used to be... The, the original gimmick was you would take a picture of Pepe and then pretend like... It was a very rare. You would brag about the rare Pepe's you have, like like it was an actual piece of art as opposed to just a JPEG that could okay. be copied mo endlessly. I don't understand the premise of it, but that would be what it is. Me the joke either. would be you share it, and that's my rare Pepe. And then somehow it got like taken over by the alt right, and now it's a symbol for the alt right, and it's now considered racist. Don't understand how. I think that's just. I guess maybe it depends on who was sharing. Yeah, well now he is um he is raising $10,000. He's also been Time Magazine listed the creator of Pepe as the tw one of the 25 most influential people on the internet. I mean, for real though, I think that this is this is an opportunity for artists to really get their work, you know, out there. I mean, now more than ever, you know? And people told me not to go into writing, not to go into media, and I was just sitting on the train this morning thinking Media is blowing up. Video is blowing up. That's not going to stop. Yeah, no, absolutely not. It, in fact, I think it's going where that's a good place to go. I think the 
wealth in media is going to be redistributed more so there'll be more middle class media as opposed to the few like superstars you know like everyone's going to be on Fox, the internet Fox now. And Friends. yeah now it's going to be on the internet and you'll have your own internet show and i think there'll be more slots open with jobs that you could realistically support yourself on as opposed to the few key spots where you're bill o'reilly and a millionaire and you're right. writing books you know i right. think i think you know uh, there's a lot of stuff um so I was actually talking with a friend this morning about self-promotion okay. on the internet. And um, that is sort of a tough thing, I think. You really have to be you really have to be driven and adamant about promoting yourself in order to make it to a spot where you can sustain yourself financially. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. And then uh, and there it's a busy field, you know? Like uh, every one story of the one person that bought a house by just videotaping themselves playing video games, now everybody wants to do that and there's this static What do you mean, what do you mean by that? Oh, okay. So you are so not a millennial, you don't know this. I'm so not a millennial. What taping yourself playing there's video games? There's a thing games? called Twitch. Uh, and people just play video games live stream and people watch them and they have advertisers and they make money off it and Why? people do it on YouTube. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know. But my brother's kids, uh, my nephew's 13 and my nieces are four and seven and they don't want to play video games. They don't play video games, but they watch people play video games all day long. Like that is What's their. What's the enjoyment in that? I don't get it. So I could see one aspect. You know what? I could do that. And you could totally make a lot of money. No, no, no. I could, I could be a user of Twitch. Yeah. I could watch. No, no. You could record yourself. You don't have to be good. It's not good. It's literally like, I guess it's... No, I wouldn't play. I would, you would watch. watch. Why would you want to watch? Because I don't play video games. So maybe I want to feel like I'm a part of the video game world, but I don't want to play video games. I don't know. I don't think it's cool. Uh, so... So people are like they're live chatting right now and someone will be talking over the screen. Sometimes you could see them. So if you're like a lot of there's a lot of like just pretty girls that'll do it. And it's not like the best or anything. It's just the sometimes it's just the most entertaining. Like they might not be good at the game, but they're um, they're just good at talking and being funny. So they'll have a lot of viewers and things like that. Oh, so but okay. people so make a layer. lot of money. But I could never do this. Like I, the only reason I would want to watch a video game, and I don't do it often. But if I was playing a game and I was stuck at a level, like I could mm. watch someone beat that level, so I know what to do. But I'm not watching it like because I just want to watch it. Like I think the thing about also about this and the self promotion thing is is willing to take a risk and willing to take a job. That's something I was thinking about recently because there's a lot of people who have full-time jobs and they, they do what they really want to do on the side. So let's say you want to be a novelist. You have a full-time job as a, as a reporter. You have a full-time job at a news station. You know, you're doing something similar to what you want to be doing, but what you really want to be is a novelist. I think in this day and age, more people are willing to take that jump and be like, you know what, I'm just going to be a novelist. I don't care if I can't support myself. I don't. You know, or or maybe they're like, who cares? I'll stay at my parents' house until I'm 40. Yeah, yeah. In order to do what I wanted to really do. And that's like with Twitch. Like, if you really want to make money from Twitch, you probably have to put a lot of effort into uploading, being on, playing games. That's not something, so, I don't know, is it something you can do for 30 minutes a day and make a lot of money? No, probably not. You probably I'm, have to stay on it. I know someone that... Uh, when a new update for a game came out, like so that's when most people want to watch to know the new stuff, he streamed for 20 hours straight. He said, because this is where I'm going to make all my money. This is the hot spot. Like, that's 
That's grueling. So he you know, stayed awake for twenty hours and just played this game over and over again. See, that's what I'm saying. So some of them you'll get to see them like in the corner and they'll wow. talk and they just play the game. See, how did you find this? I don't know. I mean, my brother's kids mostly. Uh, they they watch this stuff, but uh, it's a huge thing. I know people that try to make money off of it. People buy houses. This is like you could. This could be your real job doing this. Wow. See, that's very inspiring. But what you really need to do is you have a, have to go full throttle. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred. That's what I'm saying. You can't. This isn't. I don't think this is something you do on in your spare time. Yeah. No. 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 This would be your job. But what's funny is there's a whole culture around it. Like this chair. You see that chair? Yeah. Everyone that seriously does Twitch has that chair. Oh. I'm sure like it's comfortable and it's a particularly good chair, but it's also just like. It's like, for show. Yeah, you want to be cool? Like I'm, like I'm a serious streamer. I got that chair. Like, wow. Yeah, it's fun. So this girl who is currently twitching, I'm yes. gonna use. Is that a, is that a phrase I could use? Twitching. Uh. She's a, on Twitch. Okay, this chick, she probably is unavailable to the world for about eight hours of the day. Yeah. I would say definitely. gaming. I mean, that's a full time gig right there. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. So I think now. Is it, let's let's give up our our final comments on millennials. What go? What are you? What's your gonna be your final rap? Okay, my final thought on millennials. Uh, I think I don't know. I think we're a force for good. I think the world's better because of us. I think as we get older and enter the workforce more, I think we are gonna be big change. And I feel like again, uh, that's something that the hippies thought they were gonna do, and that they had to sell out. They had to stop. They had to give up their identity as a hippie to become part of the mainstream universe. And I feel like millennials, we don't have to do that. All our social movements and things like that, we don't tie that into marijuana and things like that. So. At the time, you needed, you you know, they couldn't do that. Like, they were hippie stoners, and they had to kind of shed everything to become successful. Whereas now, we, we I feel like we are almost, we're okay with going in and have, not having the joint in our hand. And then once we become power, in power, we are going to make sure that it's legal everywhere, you know? Okay. So, I think uh, the world's a better place for millennials. What about you? What do you think? I think that those are some really excellent points that you made. And uh, even though I said that I don't necessarily identify with being a millennial, that's not to say that I think being a millennial is all the time a bad thing. Um, some of the negative stereotypes that go with it, like not wanting to work hard or, you know, not engaging. People say uh -huh. that we don't engage with one another. But I, I think the more that you say that, the more it's just a fear-inducing. I think people just want to induce fear. My personal feeling about what's going to happen with millennials is we're sort of, like, guys, remember, this is new. Like, all this technology, having a smartphone, it's still new. We're still, like, the first couple of decades to really be involved in this. So I feel like it's a hump that we're going to get over. Okay, okay. I, I want to have one more question with millennials. Okay. So, do you think we'll become old and be like conservative like um you know like everyone everyone they were young they thought they were progressive and things like that but then you get older and things change or because we grew up with things changing so fast we'll never be you know like we're, we'll be used to adapting do you think one day i'm gonna be like these kids these yes. robosexuals yes. in my day at least it was sex with a person these people i yes. don't guy girl but they're robots i think yes i think that absolutely we're all going to grow up and people are going to start changing their political views i think that's not true for everyone my parents are democrats they started out as democrats they're still democrats their parents were democrats 
So I think that that's a really big family. Um, I think that has to do with who, who you were raised by, and sometimes not. No, genetics. It's all genetics. 70%. They did a study that said 70% of your political thoughts are genetics. They took a whole bunch of identical twins that were sep that were separated at birth, adopted by different families, and found them and to see what their political stances were. And the identical twins every time had matching political stances regardless of where they were raised. But the fraternal twins that were adopted at birth to separate places had different political thoughts. That is very strange. Yeah, bizarre. That is very strange. But I do think that there's something to it. I do think there's something to it. I mean, th there are sentiments that people have, and some people will argue that they're environmentally found, but perhaps not. Yeah, per perhaps not. So, speaking of us being millennials, we're going to talk about something that pretty much uh, only recently you could be able to do. Thing that you know, a lot of millennials are doing it: visiting Cuba. Visiting Cuba. Uh, and unfortunately, it's looking like we're not going to be able to do that anymore because Trump just shut that down. Yeah, so I really wanted to see Cuba for a while now, and I lived in Costa Rica for a study abroad for about four year, uh, four months, excuse me. And um, during that co course of time, I wanted to go to Cuba because at that time, in 2015, you couldn't go from the U.S. But it ended up being a really expensive weekend. I was only going to be able to go there for like two nights or something like that, so I decided not to go. Recently had the opportunity to go back, decided to do a four-day, three-night, quick turnaround vacation to Cuba. Did not love it. No. Did not love it. Angela, when did you go? Uh, I went in February, uh, and I thought it was phenomenal. We flew into Havana. We we stayed in an Airbnb with a family that was there. They were super nice. The house was clean. It was, I I loved it. I and I felt like I got an authentic Cuban experience because I was in someone's house with the family. I had to see how they lived as opposed to being in a hotel. You know, like, but of, obviously I was in a you know an upper middle class section of Havana. Like certainly not. I wasn't living like a farmer, but I thought I got an idea of what it would be like to live in Cuba. You know, at least pretty, you know, I'm a middle class in America. So this would be what middle class in Cuba was like. And I fell in love with the city. I thought it was beautiful. I loved everything about it. Uh, see, now the, the funny thing is, um, I think the experience for me was different. There were a lot of other factors. I stayed in a casa. I okay. stayed in a house, an Airbnb, but it was not with a family. The, um... It was a person who renovated their home to be a bed and breakfast. Okay. Essentially. But the woman who ran it was phenomenal. She, I gave her a, her very first Twizzler. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I had a pack of Twizzlers. I was eating them when I arrived. And I said, do you want one? She held it up like an alien looking at a piece of dung for the first time. I mean, she did not know what it was. <sighs> That's crazy. Uh, and it's a super interesting uh, thought on Cuba. Different countries, what jobs are high, are good jobs and what jobs Absolutely. are bad jobs? Like, uh, I think the average person that makes Cuba, money in Cuba, it's like $80 a month or something like that. I think that's what the average paying job is. So a cab driver makes way more money Absolutely. than that. Absolutely. A cab driver in Cuba makes more money than a doctor. Yeah, like a cab driver is like a highest like one of the highest level jobs in Cuba. Where in America like you look like that's for like new immigrants, like you're new to the country, that's like a starter job. Absolutely. You usually feel bad for your taxi driver yeah. in the US. Or maybe you don't feel bad, but you, you recognize that that's not the job they prefer. Yeah, you're like, oh, how long have you been working today? I'm always doing I chew my taxi driver's ear off. I have to be annoying sometimes. But I'm like, tell me about yourself. Where'd you come from? What's your country like? 
I also talk to my taxi drivers a little bit, but a lot of my Uber drivers in the past have said, you know, you're the first person to have a conversation with me all day. Thank you so much. Really? Yep. So, you know. But uh, my experience in Cuba was different than yours, Angelo. I mean, there was a lot of catcalling in Cuba. There was everywhere I went. I mean, there was on my first day, I had been in Havana for a couple of hours. I went for a stroll with my friends. One guy, now I'm sure he meant it with the best intentions, but he put out his arm and he told me that I couldn't pass until I gave him a kiss on his face. And he said, and, and he wasn't kidding. And I, you know, I was, I was in a joyous mood. So I gave this guy a kiss on his cheek and he said, welcome to Cuba. And he literally restrained, he put his arm out so that the four of us, the, uh, the, actually the three of us couldn't pass by. Um, so that, and that was just the tipping point. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, that was just the start. So I'm a man. So I don't know, catcalling, that's not a problem. That doesn't exist. I, you know, I, I'm oblivious to it, you know? But I, so I don't think I saw a lot of catcalling. I mean, I was with my uh, a couple of pretty girls, you know, and mm -hmm. I don't remember them complaining to me. But honestly, uh, as a man, I'm my brain would be off. They could have been getting harassed the whole time, and I'm like la 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 la. The truth is, just your presence being with them is more than enough to, to deter them from True. saying something. So I who'd was, you go with? I was with two girls, two women, um, and it just seemed like everywhere we were going. I mean. On my last day, I was I got on one of those bikes. They had those like basically those tricycles okay. where they could you know uh, bike the tourists around. And the guy who gave me a ride, first of all, I asked him how much he wanted me to pay him. He said whatever you feel like. Okay. Which was funny. Um, but then as soon as I got in the taxi, I realized that it was whatever I felt like because he was just gonna he he basically his enjoyment of the day is driving around and looking at pretty women and catcalling some. This guy was making eating noises, slurping noises, oh letting goodness. his tongue hang out. Oh my god! A woman in a dress could not walk by us, and I was sitting in the back without him, you know, having something to say. We were on the beach and things like that. I didn't see that at all. I didn't witness that happening to other people. Completely yeah. different experiences. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the food? I thought the food was okay. The best meal I had was some fresh fish on the beach. I was not impressed by the food at all. I was not impressed. Ham and cheese sandwiches for breakfast, breakfast, yeah, lunch, dinner, yeah. dessert. Yeah, I, I was so disappointed. And I love Cuban food in America, but there, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe supply shortages or whatever it was, it was not, not so good. I read a very long article about Cuban food in the New York Times. Um, and basically they said a lot of this Cuban culture has, has been lost. It's been, and, and you can only find it in the countryside. You know, you can find true, you know, and they eat, you can find true cuisine with, um, that are maybe somebody's family recipe, but they eat tons of pork. Yeah. Unimaginable amount. I, I actually laughed because I went into a sandwich shop to grab something before I went to the airport and there were eight sandwiches on the menu. Six of them were a variation of ham and cheese. <laughs> one was tuna and one was just cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's six ham and cheese sandwiches. It was like jamón y queso, queso y jamón, cerdo y queso. I mean, it was all variations. It was very funny. That that is hysterical. Um, so another thing, what I found most about Cuba is, it was nowhere near as bad as I was led to believe. Like our our government propaganda. 
But I couldn't, I can't, I couldn't find any neutral views on Cuba because you couldn't ask anyone what they thought about the government because for the most part, like they were all very pro Castro, you know, because they very, have to be. Very everywhere you see, it's it's a Castro or, sign. Or or I got uh, my cab driver was like, new government shit, old government is shit, all governments are shit. So I was <laughs> like, all right, that's that's that. But like, I went to. Did you go to the Museum of the Revolution? Yes, I did. Okay, so. You can't trust any of that because it's all propaganda. But they made uh, America's dicks. Like, oh yeah, like we are giant dicks. The more I read about what we do, like America's assholes. Oh yeah, I mean the lies we told them we were gonna come in and drop the bombs, and then last minute we didn't. Well, so they had a, the body of a of a of American soldier for years that they shot down, and they said we return him. Just admit that you had your planes flying over us, and we for like twenty years we we're like, no, no, you're talking about. We never we never sent anybody over there, and the the poor guy's family, like they're like, we have the body, we will send it back, and then one day eventually we did finally. Wow. So here's a real question. I don't okay. know if you're ready for this. This okay. is a little bit of a change of topic. Think talking about bodies getting sent back. What do you think of the guy who recently died, who they his family pulled him off the plug, who was uh, killed in North Korea, beat to a pulp in North Korea? What do I think about it? The one who stole the yeah. poster? Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you make of that? It was terrible. And uh, why... Well, don't go to North Korea. I, honestly, no. I, if you're a man from the ages of 18 to 25, don't go to North Korea because, I mean, no one should go. But if you go, men 18 to 25, we're idiots. I can tell you right now, there, I, there's no guarantee that I would not have also pulled off that poster. I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I think that there's a lot of hardliners, you know, and, and I'm not going to lie. My first initial reaction to that was... This idiot, you know, he's he's an arrogant American. He has no regard for somebody else's culture. He thinks that he can pull the same antics that he pulls at maybe a hotel in America in a hotel in North Korea. Why would you think that it's okay to steal this, you know, poster? But then you think about it, and it's like, you know, these are kids. No, yeah, he didn't think it was okay. He didn't think. That's the, that's the clear line. There was no thinking. Plus, I don't know if he thought he maybe he was wearing like a Chicago Bulls shirt and thought he was untouchable there. Oh, Kim Jong Un is obsessed with the Chicago Bulls. Really? The ninety, the ninety five, ninety six Chicago Bulls. He has like all kinds of memorabilia to it. Kim Jong Un and Kim Jong Il both. Oh, that's weird. why Dennis Rodman goes there all the time because he was on the team. Oh, I did not. I didn't. Oh know yeah, that. major hero worship. Like wow. Look at Dennis Rodman. You think he's okay with that? If he was a normal person, would he be allowed to step foot in North oh, Korea? Absolutely. You know he's getting wasted drunk there and being oh, ridiculous. God. It's all because he was a Chicago Bull. That is why he's tolerated there. What a weird, what a weird time to be alive, man. And uh, yeah, so I, uh, a lot of people just had some really hard, hard views on that. And I feel like at the end of the day, like this is a human being. Of course. You know, whether no matter what he did, whether it was stupid, because at first I was like, this guy is a stupid American. Why did he do that? Why was he a stupid American? But then. I started to I started to read more into it, and I started and and just within by by the time the day was over on that sad day that that he yeah. died, I had already felt more, you know, sad about it. Yeah, Korea is a scary thing. Uh, you know, when they started sending those nukes, that's right when I went to Japan. I was like, shit, I don't know, I might get blown up right now. That's uh, scary. No, I, well, how did you feel in Japan? Did you feel safe? Oh, totally safe. It's crazy. Uh, and I actually talked to, uh, uh, I got a tattoo while I was there. And uh, it was probably one of my favorite things because I got to live, talk with the native for like 
six hours. So for six hours, it was just me and him bullshitting. Like, there's nothing else to do while he's... In English? Yeah. Oh, the best part about Japan is you ask anyone, do they speak English? And they're like, oh, only a little bit. And then they're totally fluent. They can carry on a whole conversation with me. (laughs) Wow, what modesty. Meanwhile, I say, can you speak Japanese? And I'm like, only a little bit. And I got like 12 words. (laughs) Right, only a little bit, I guess, means something different. That's so that's so interesting. So he was saying like he was scared about the Olympics because they're holding the Olympics in Japan, and he was scared. He was like, "That's a lot of foreigners that could do crazy things." He's like, "And I'm scared there'll be a terrorist attack now." He goes, "Because without all you guys there, there's no reason to attack Japan. We're not involved in any of those things, so they have no motivation to get us. But maybe with the Olympics, you know, it could happen." And Japan is so vulnerable to an attack. They are such a different society from us. There are lockers in every train station that you could just put your stuff in and lock it. You know, they could put bombs there. They, you know, there's like, it's crazy. Like, they're so vulnerable. But their society is so different that they don't have to worry about those things like that. And it's a better society. I wish we were like that. But wow. People don't worry about... You, are you trying to tell me that people worry a lot less about their safety in Japan? Totally. There's like a killing a year, if that. Um, really? I was watching eight-year-olds run around trains and buses all on their own, like regularly. And I looked it up that it's frowned upon for you to walk your kid to school. You want to foster independence for them. Wow. So from a young age, they're with their peers going to school all on their own. Like, oh, it's totally safe. There's like next to no crime. And what little crime it is is the Yakuza. And they're like totally organized. Like it's not random muggings or things like that. Like that's set up. That's that's very interesting. I, I did not know that. How do they manage that? I, I you know, I guess it's just, you know, uh, sociology is just the way they are, you know, like they're a different kind of people. They're not they're not ra- even we went to like the red light district where there was drunk and rowdy people and I saw a beer bottle on the floor. There's no litter and no trash cans anywhere. You have to keep your garbage in your pocket. But we went to the rowdiest, craziest part and wasted someone left a beer and i bet you they didn't purposely litter they just probably forgot it probably but you know that's a whole attitude that's a whole like you said a whole societal thing but it's also different because there's other things to worry about in japan so you're not going to get robbed but during rush hour the trains get so packed and groping became such an issue that now there's cars in the trains dedicated just for women yes and, um, you know, that's sad, but, I mean, it happens in New York, too. But not to that level. Right. So that's what I'm trying to say. Like, you, you might be more worried about getting mugged in New York, but less worried about being groped. Like, that's uh, a much rarer occurrence. Absolutely. Well, I mean, even when I was in Cuba, like, with that guy who, who tried to kiss me on the face, when he walked away, I heard somebody say to him, uh, Americans don't do that. <laughs> or, you know, someone said to him, no, the Americans don't do that. It's just a huge cultural difference. And like I told you, when he did that to me, I, I just went with it and I didn't have a meltdown because I sort of understood that he was being mostly genuine. Yeah. Um, he wanted to welcome us to Cuba, which was maybe for his own benefits. Uh, and also, I, if I'm in a foreign country, I don't, I don't uh, try not to react to anything at all. Like I need to go back home and, and recompute that, you know, like, is that, was that an acceptable thing to do in Cuba is in their society or was it being rude? And then afterwards I will decide if I'm angry or not about what transpired. And that's absolutely how I handled that weird kissing thing. Yeah. Because, you know, and at the end of the day, you're on vacation. You don't want to ruin your time. Yeah. It's, it, I could have been angry about that, but was I all right? Yeah. Yes. Was it a cultural difference I had to evaluate? Yes. 
Would I go back to Cuba? The food wasn't that great. My accommodations were fine. But I mean, I think the idea about the it being frozen in time is super romanticized. How cool it is that they use old-time radios, old-time cars. You know what? It's not cool. It's cool to look at as a tourist for one day, day. but I don't want to live there. Yeah, those cars are like death traps. But, okay, but Cuba, their society, there is a lot to um, to be envious of and romanticized. Like, being an artist in Cuba, you could be very successful. You could make a lot of money. Like So even in this quote-unquote poor country, they appreciate something like art. Art is, is a huge part of Cuba. Even when I was flying there uh, in the airport, we made friends with an artist, and he was like, I'm going to Cuba for the art. Like, their art community is is amazing so it's interesting like i feel like in america when times are hard the first thing you're cutting out is fucking art like terrible yeah like forget that we don't need that right and that's absolutely terrible um all right well i think angelo you and i have had some really opposite views opposite experiences that we've shared and i hope that our listeners can identify with one side yeah and totally and if you guys have anything you uh feel about either way or you agree or disagree with us on any of these topics please uh tweet uh either me or shanna we'd love to hear it maybe we'll read some of the cool ones on the next podcast i you can find me on twitter at s j a c q s that's s jacks i'm shanna jacklin and uh angelo you can find me on twitter at hello jello hello and then jello is spelled like my name g-e-l-o and uh, we're, uh, we want to do more of these. Uh, we hope you guys like this. Um, and we're ready for feedback. Yeah, totally. So everyone, enjoy your weekends. Enjoy your 4th of July. We'll see you next time.